Welcome to Biz Help For You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. There always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here is your host, Candy Messer. Hello, and welcome to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, Leading in Adverse and Ambiguous Times, informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, a link is located under the episode directory on my Voice America page, as well as links for iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If there are topics you'd find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at abandp.com. Now, let's learn a little bit about our guest today. A decorated U.S. Army Black Hawk helicopter pilot who flew air assault top secret intelligence missions and transported high-level government VIPs, Elizabeth McCormick shattered the glass ceiling in the armed forces, then in a corporate career, and continues to raise glass as an in-demand international keynote speaker and leadership specialist, listed as one of the top five leadership experts to follow online. Her authority on leadership, business, and veterans' issues is highly sought after with the media, as seen on ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, CW, in the Wall Street Journal, and more. Her personal development book, The Pilot Method, The Five Elemental Truths to Leading Yourself in Life, is a must-read along with her 18-plus business tip books in the Soar to Success series on leadership and entrepreneurial topics. In 2011, Elizabeth received the U.S. Congressional Veteran Commendation for her service to her country and community as a disabled veteran. So, Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. I'm so glad that you're able to join us. And I actually read, of course, that pilot method a long time ago when it was first released. I think you just released it when we met. Um, And it's exciting to see all of the books that you've been releasing over the years. Um, And to have you as a guest is really fun for me. So I would love for you, first of all, though, to talk about how you even became a helicopter pilot. Yeah, so it wasn't like a lifelong goal or for, as a little girl I wanted to fly or any anything like that. Um, it was born out of necessity. <laughs> so I was a, um, I had finished college. I have a degree in art, minor in mathematics, associate's degree in engineering. I was planning on going to graduate school for architecture and had a little detour in my last year of college and got married and he was joining the military. And so I became a military wife and the only job I could get was working in a pizza place. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, five years of college, I have to tell you, my parents were not proud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm working in a pizza place, and I am just miserable. And I'm sure that everyone listening can think of one time in their life where they were just in misery with the situation they were in or the circumstances. I hope it's not now. But if I had this moment of clarity in that misery in that the only thing I could change were the things I could change. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what I learned from then even to now is to really focus on the things I can control, the things I can change. And in that situation, the only thing I could change was me. So I decided that to join the military, but I wanted the coolest job. Didn't know what that was. <laughs> 
So I I had to ask. Yeah, I asked around. I did a ton of research. And that's another thing that serves me even through today is is I always research everything and really um, analyze and ask around and interview people and learn learn from that to find the best way. Mm -hmm. And so everyone I interviewed that was in the service, I said, uh, being a helicopter pilot was the coolest job. And so I said, oh, well, I'll do that. Very cool. Yeah, because I, 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 I didn't know it was hard, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. And I do remember the story. I won't give anything away in case you are going to share that a little <laughs> bit later. But I do remember hearing the story about trying to learn and the difficulties that you had with that. Um, but before that, do you want to just talk about how many women were actually helicopter pilots back then? Yeah, I, I didn't know. I really didn't know it was hard. I When I got in, and this was in... Uh, I went through the process in 1993 when I went in less than 1% of all the pilots were women. Mm. So out of t- about 200 to 250 and this, based on what I was told at that time, 200 to 250 pilots in the army, there was one woman. Wow. So not very many. And right now I've seen different data. I've seen 6% and I've seen 8% for the data that right now. So out of a hundred pilots, there's either six or eight, depending on, on the source of information. Uh, right now. So even right now, it's still not very many. Mm-hmm. But when you when you figure with the commitment, the the general physicality of becoming a, both a pilot and serving, um, you know, only I think, gosh, I think the last date I saw was 28% of the army is female. So, mm-hmm. so it's still when you consider 28% is female, 8% right, of the pilots, it's low, but it's still, um, it's pretty indicative because the right. uh, pilot school is pretty tough. Understood. And I know we're going to talk about how flying a helicopter is like a business, but can you just tell us what flying a helicopter is really like in the first place, just to give us an idea of how you're going to make that analogy? <laughs> so flying a helicopter, when I, do, when I do my speeches for big audiences, I liken it to flying a roller coaster that you control. So if you imagine you're in the front car of a roller coaster. Which is fun. <laughs> well, it depends. Either people, it used to be, it, at least for me. I'm getting right? older now. so. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because people are either like, oh, my gosh, I love it. Yes, me, me, me. Or they're like, uh-uh, no way. You're not getting me in, in the roller coaster or the front right. car. You know, so it's one or the other. There's no, like, middle, a lot of middle ground there. And uh, But I, if you imagine you're in the front car of the roller coaster where you could see everything, it's, like, the best seat where you could see everything that's coming, and there's no track. Mm. <laughs> you, in every moment, in every second of every moment, you decide where it goes, how high or how low, how fast or how slow, and it, to the right or to the left, which way it should go. Mm. But yep. that's just like running a business, isn't it? Oh, that's for sure. Especially if you're the only one at the helm of the business and you don't have, you know, like people to really talk to and get feedback from if it's just you. You know, you know but even then, I think even if it's, if it's, you know, you have a team, you still have to provide the strategic guidance to that team. Mm-hmm, you're still sure. the one, I like, like call it the, being the pilot in command. Mm-hmm. You're the pilot in command of the ship. Like, you might not do every single thing to make it that that aircraft or ship run, but you are over have to have that that thirty thousand foot view of everything that's going on as an entrepreneur and as a business owner. 
Right. So true. And if something starts to go wrong, you have to make those decisions rather quickly in lots of cases, you know, to make sure that you have a business to continue to run. Absolutely. So uh, we have a saying, though, in, in flying helicopters, especially more so than airplanes, because there's no glide in a helicopter. But in a helicopter, if you're not ahead of the aircraft, you're behind it. Mm. And if you're behind it, you are in a pure reactionary mode. And right now, more than ever, especially in crisis situations and where things are unprecedented as they are right now, it's really important that we we think proactively and strategically in these times. Mm -hmm, For sure. So can you then tell me just a few of the obstacles that were standing in your way? So it seemed to start from the very beginning. When I did my research, everyone was really willing to give me their opinion and their advice. But when it came time to actually do do it, uh, everyone said it was hard. Mm. So the recruiter said, little girl, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, the recruit, Come to find out, the recruiter said no. And I had to really push back and question because I'd done my research and I, I knew what to say. And this is a really great framework for, for business, too, especially when you're trying new things, is to do your research, know what to say, know the vocabulary, the process, the forms, whatever it is you have to do, and then also exude confidence. So mm. it's a really simple three-step framework to to lead better and to stand firm when you're trying to implement new processes and do new things. And so I had to, with a recruiter, I had to, you know, go in and be confident and say, you know, why not? I don't understand. I needed, I I really had to question with curiosity and ask him why, what is standing in my way? Because he was just really resistant and didn't want to, didn't want to seem to do it. And he just kept saying no. And I kept saying you know, why not? Until finally he admitted is that he didn't know how to do the paperwork. Mm. Wow. So, you know, a lot of times we assume, like I could have assumed it was because I was female and he thought it was hard and everything else. But what it really was is a lack of training. Mm. He didn't know how to do the paperwork to go to Warrant Officer Flight's training program. And so what I ended up doing in that situation is even though it was his job, I sat in his office, I read the regulations, and I did his paperwork for him. Wow. I mean, well, back, and I think back then it was typewriter and carbon paper. Oh, for <laughs> sure. I, was say, I think just that example is good for us to realize, too, is like we do make assumptions on things, and it's really good to just like dig down and find out what the truth is behind a situation and not just make an assumption. Absolutely. And find out what's really going on. So I, I always suggest that you you know, ask, well, you know, why not? Why? Be mm-hmm. more curious. Be like our, be like, our, you know, you might have children. Be like, more like our children. We, we get that curiosity tamped out of us, usually in our teenage and young adult years. But the fact is, if you're not curious as to why things aren't going the way you think they should go and you know they could go, you got to find out why and kind mm-hmm. of be the investigator. Right. Yeah, that's a great point, too, because I think sometimes we just think like, oh, no, the answer is no. Okay. And you don't challenge it. So that's a good point as well for us to just remember, don't take no. The first no you get, you know, continue, you know, pushing forward. If that's really a dream that you have or you see something that you want to do for your business, you know, don't just take the first no and say, okay, I can't do it. <laughs> you know? Well, and the fact is we're all in sales as business owners. We're selling something, whether it's our 
ourselves, our brand, our services, our products, whatever it is, we're always selling something. So when you hear a no, I always recommend that you push back and say, you know, can you tell me why? What's standing in your way? Mm-hmm. And just by asking that question, you will learn so much more about the sales process right. and about your customers and clients and what they're going through and what their obstacles are. It's, it's a fact-finding mission. Mm-hmm. Well, and you were talking about your first no with the recruiter. I'm sure you had more than <laughs> one. So who was the next one? So the next one was the flight doctor. I had to go do my flight physical to prove I was I was fit to be a pilot, which is way more strenuous physically than just getting into the military physical. Mm. So I, uh, I when I went into the flight doctor, you know, he he looked at me and he said, "Little girl, <laughs> <laughs> don't you know flight school's really hard?" <laughs> I mean, it was, uh, you know, it seemed like it was a broken record everywhere I went. Uh, but he truly believed it was hard. And I got to, you know, I got to choose. And I didn't choose to believe it was hard. And and again, relating it back to business, you get to choose what's hard. And the fact is, if you believe something is hard, it is going to be hard. But if you believe something is easy, it's just not as hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But our attitude and what we come in, go into situations really truly does determine our altitude and how far, how far and how high we go. That's so true too. You know, I think sometimes people just feel down and it's really hard to like encourage themselves or motivate themselves to keep going. So it's just one of those lessons we have to learn is it might be hard, but keep doing it. Especially, like I said, if you have this dream, like where would you be today if you took that first no, right? The recruiter's like, nope, sorry. You're like, okay. <laughs> right. Well, he did tell me that he had openings for a cook. So, oh, wow. You know. <laughs> Stereotyping there a little yeah, bit, maybe? Maybe, maybe a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, you know, your, your business is your responsibility. You determine where it goes. You determine, even if you have a whole team implementing everything day to day, there's still someone has to, has to be the pilot in command. Right. Yep. So doctors, number two, and then who else might have told you no? Uh, let's see. Number three was when I went to the military entrance. They love their acronyms. Military Entrance Processing Station, the MEP station, to take my uh, testing. I had to take a whole bunch of different aptitude tests. And when I went in to take the flight one, which is called the flight aptitude skills test, so they call it the fast test. Ha! Huh. It's, <laughs> it's really slow. <laughs> So nothing in the military there moves fast in the testing Uh process. So I I went in to take the fast test, and and the sergeant who was proctoring the test, he looks at me and he says, you want to guess what it is? Little girl. Little girl. (laughs) Little girl. (laughs) Don't you know this this test is really hard? Mm. And just it went happened again. And, you know, I had a degree in mathematics. You know, oh. a minor. I had it. I had all this schooling, and I'm sitting there going, "You're going to tell me no because of a test? Give it to me." You know, I just really had to push back and said, "You know what? I'm here, and I have an appointment. Let's just take the test." Mm-hmm. And we did. Fabulous, right? So we probably have time for one more before we have to go to break. So I'm sure there was probably another no in there somewhere because this is a challenge to get there. So did you have another no, or was that finally okay? You get to go. 
So I had another no. The last no I had before it became a yes was when my packet went to the Pentagon for the selection board. And back then it was all paper and carbon paper and on a, from a typewriter and it had to be perfect. One error, you start it over. Wow. And so I had this whole packet of paperwork, the physical, the test results, letters of recommendation from my college professors. And I had this big stack of paperwork and had to go to the Pentagon for a selection board. Hmm. And I'll never forget that it only goes to the selection board two times. After that, you don't get, you have to wait a year before oh, getting wow. submitted again. And so I sent it to the selection board and it went in on time and it came back. We don't have any spots open. Hmm. So I'd already used one of my chances in a month when there were no spots available to be considered. So I had a choice whether to submit for the next month or not submit for the next month. So I submitted because I wanted out of my circumstances and to do something with my life. And then that second month, December of 93, I found out I got one of two spots in the entire United States of America. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. If I had known there were only two spots in the nation, I probably would have been a lot more nervous all the way through. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, that's amazing. That's very good. Well, you know what? We're just about to a break. So I think that's a perfect place to leave off for a break with that amazing figure. Uh, So when we come back, we're going to continue to chat with Elizabeth about flying a helicopter is like a business. You're listening to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer on Voice America Internet Radio. We'll be right back after this brief commercial break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses, such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You are listening to Biz Help For You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to Biz Help For You. Welcome back to Biz Help For You with Candy Messer. 
In the last segment, Elizabeth McCormick told us about her background and how she became a helicopter pilot, and we left off hearing that she finally got a yes. So let's continue our discussion. <laughs> so, Elizabeth, like you said, we just heard you finally got the yes, you get to be a helicopter pilot, you know, and so obviously that took perseverance. So wouldn't it have just been easier to quit? You know, at the very beginning, when I went out to the flight line for the very first time <clears throat> and looked at the helicopters, I had this vision that this is what I was supposed to do. And sometimes we have that that vision of something before it happens or and we see something or we just know we have that intuition or that feeling that this is this is it. And I'll, I'll just say that as a business owner, I've had that too in all different situations in my life. And that is really important to listen to when you have that. Mm-hmm. When you have that vision, when you know something is possible, but you don't know how it's going to happen, that's powerful. And so I really had to focus on that feeling and that I knew this is what I was supposed to do. I wasn't supposed to know how hard it was. <laughs> right. I wasn't supposed to know how hard it would be once I got in to flight school and into the process. I really had to focus on my belief and my belief in myself, my belief in my abilities, my belief in my potential, and my belief in the vision of my future. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's so true for people, too, because they might have, you know, a desire for something and then people will tell them like, oh, you can't make money at that or, you know, that's not what you went to school for. You should do whatever, you know, you should do this, that or the other. And so I think, like you said, if you know in your gut, that's what you're called to do. It might be challenging, but it's definitely worth, you know, pursuing. Well, when I first started speaking and started my speaking business, my father looked at me and said, you can't make money doing that. Hmm. (laughs) Wow. So I did 101 paid speaking engagements last year. Mm, That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It is. But Mm. I did 158 in 2013. I, wow. That was a lot. <laughs> so I said, that's too many. So that, that you know, 50, 50 less. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, I'm, I'm making, you know, a, a living and a business right. and building a business and an empire from this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I kind of like to say I, I proved him wrong. And now he's like, oh, no, no, no. I never said that. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. But I would love you to go back to the story then. So where we left off, you finally get your yes. You're one of two people who, you know, have got a position here now. So then what happened next? So I went through basic training for the Army. So I went through basic just like anyone else joining the Army would was, would go through. And then from basic training, you go straight to Warrant Officer Candidate School to become an officer. And so that's a six-week course. And that was really tough. We started that course with seven women. And only two of us finished. Mm. And the two of us that finished, we were first and third in the class of 40. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, well, no. So here's the thing. It wasn't, no. It was, it was phys- so physically demanding that the women, the other women that weren't conditioned better prior mm-hmm. to going in or weren't in as good a physical shape just couldn't keep up. Right. So, I mean, it was, so and our scores were based partially on academics, but also partially on our fitness, fitness tests and the other things that we accomplish throughout the six weeks. Right, it, but top of class, that's awesome. It was tough. It was tough. But it was Excel or get sent home. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, you know, that happens in business, too, is, mm-hmm. is the ones, you know, ex- at least Excel in one aspect, you know, it's how fast you can get something to market, how the quality that you do, or uh, you have to differentiate yourself 
in some way. You have to find a way that your business meets a need that that speaks louder than words. Right. That's so true. Yep. So so you are going now you top of the class, <laughs> then what happens? Like what's the next part of the story? So I went into flight school. Now now they've changed it all since 9/11. So mm-hmm. since September 11th, they now you have to go through dunker training and escape and evasion school before you go to flight school. So you're that way. But for me, I went straight from basic training, warrant officer candidate school. So in 15 weeks of being in the military, so not even four months, I'm flying helicopters. Mm-hmm. So they, they don't, after September 11th, they didn't want that happening that fast. <laughs> right, so, of course. Yeah, so everything's kind of different now. But back then, I was started flying helicopters. I was the only female in my class for flight school. And I had to figure things out. I had aerodynamic training, which that was that one was pretty easy because of my engineering uh, associates. And then I had to learn aeromedical terms and we had a whole aer- aeromedical module. And then we got to learn the systems of the helicopter. And we were flying Huey helicopters. And I had to know every single component of helicopter what it was called what happened if it failed and what was my emergency procedure to recover mm-hmm. for every single component of a Huey helicopter wow yeah That's I a lot. Know, candy I'm not a mechanic chick like <laughs> not in any way shape or form am I a mechanic chick I had never looked under the hood of a car except to maybe have my oil changed and probably paid for someone else to do that so I had no idea what all this stuff was and I'm the only girl in the class and there's like 20 of us in this class and I'm the only one and they weren't, all the guys are like, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. And I'm like, what's that? You know? Mm-hmm. So I had to really figure it out and we didn't have Google back then. Right. We weren't in the internet age yet. And uh, so Google was calling my dad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Daddy, what does a step down transformer do? What does a hydraulic pump do? I mean, I didn't know what this stuff was, and they were not slowing the classroom down for me. Mm-hmm. And it really became became an example. And 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 then I got to the flight line where we get to learn how to fly a helicopter, and I drew a flight instructor who did not believe that women should fly. Mm. And it was, you know, there's unconscious bias. Yeah, this was blatant bias. Mm. He didn't want, he didn't know, he didn't want us there. Uh, and he was doing everything he could to make it difficult for me. So whereas he would, we always flew with another pilot, he would, you know, talk and instruct that student whenever I got on the controls, he would yell at me and he would scream and tell me a monkey could fly better than me. Wow. That's just mean. It's just mean. But it, it was... I mean, to them, he was the old school Vietnam right. that that guy, you know, where women weren't a part of this, and he didn't think we had a place there. So I had to prove him wrong. And what I really learned about perseverance during this time was that you control how you show up. Mm-hmm. So true. And whether you show up. And right now, when things get hard, there are lots of people who quit and don't show up. And so that means when you show up, you're making even a bigger difference. 
then you oh, might have That's true, too. I think sometimes people, especially now, feel like, well, I don't want people to think like I'm, you know, pushing too much or different things. But I think really what it is is just reaching out and showing that you care about people. And it's not about selling another product or something right now. I mean, if you do, fine. But, you know, our service is necessary, but we're also trying to find out how people are doing, you know, so even just caring about people is important. Absolutely. So I have um, a different training, a whole training I do on being a proactive leader in a time of crisis, mm. which, which is right now, but also during any other crisis too. And uh, the, I think my, the first two steps I consider are most vital. And the first is being visible. That doesn't mean being salesy, right? right. Being, being visible. How can you let your customers, your clients and everyone know that you're still, that you're still there, you're okay, and you're there for them? Right. right. Without it being salesy. And the second one is is it's a VE or the first two letters of a of a six step acronym I have. And E is empathy. Mm-hmm. Is caring, showing people that you care, being kinder. And I think that's more important now than it ever has been. Yep. Yeah, there's so much going on right now too. This year's been crazy. And if you have COVID-19 and now we have rioting and we have all kinds of stuff going on there's so much chaos and so like you said yeah if you can show that you're you know really compassionate and interested in what's happening I think that goes a long way it does and so you know I I, I know we see I I don't know about you but I, I got a little bit too many emails about COVID cares and everything when it first happened and I think that's great, but I think it's also, you don't have to slap a letter together and send it out to every single customer mm-hmm. to to be visible. Right. And, um, you know, so one of the things that I've done with COVID and everything is I have an online course on motivation that I give out as a gift. Mm-hmm. So it goes, I send it to every, pa- every client, future client. I had ooh, 39 events reschedule. Oh, that, wow. were, that were already booked for this year that either rescheduled or postponed or went virtual. And what I've done is give every single one of them this gift, which is an online course about motivation and mm-hmm. how to stay motivated in the, in times of chaos and crisis and, right. and things like that. And so I sent them all this online course. Well, then it went over so well and the infrastructure was already made. Then I said, well, you know what? I'm going to send it to all my past clients too to let them know I care and give them something that they can send out to their employees or their customers or their clients as a free gift. Right. And it, it's 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 out. <laughs> so right. it's it's all over the place now. And and so, on, um, Candy, I'll send you a link and we can give it to all the listeners here too. Perfect. And we'll talk about that link at the end of the show, too, so people can get that from you. So that's much appreciated. Um, So I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about on, you know, your learning to fly before I move into, because I would also love to know what kind of missions you did fly, um, but we didn't actually get where you're certified. So do you need to tell that part of the story? Where I finished flying? So... You know, no, it's fine. I finished the well. The um, so I talked earlier about the roller coaster. Uh, the instructor who tried to fail me. One of the things with flying a helicopter. Long story short, is um, it requires a very soft touch. Your right mm-hmm. hand is on what's called the cyclic, and the cyclic is a very small movement. With the cyclic, it's a very big movement in the rotor system, and a soft touch is best. And out of the eight weeks of that portion of the training course where I had that instructor. He screamed at me every day for seven. And when someone's screaming at you, it tenses up and yes. over controls and doesn't go the way it's supposed to go. And so I had to, uh, I, I was failing. 
I mean, I, I, six, at the end of the sixth week of the eight weeks, I was failing. And the eighth week is all check ride, your final exams where, that you take, and where you have to prove you could do the maneuvers. And I was failing all the way through until the beginning of the seventh week, I got to a, to a flight instructor. When I walked in that morning, he wasn't there. Hmm. It was a, a substitute had, had been there as my original instructor. Uh, he got, uh, took a week's vacation. So I, I was saved because this new instructor taught instead of yelling and actually mm-hmm. taught me how to hover hover the most difficult maneuver. He taught me how to hover something I'd been struggling with for six weeks. He taught me in one day. Wow. One day. <laughs> so, you know, but sometimes that's, again, I like to, I really everything, everything that I learned and everything back to life and business and sometimes one little tweak Right. One one little shift of messaging, one little shift in a product can make all the difference. Right. Or maybe if you're working with a coach or something and things aren't going the way you think, maybe finding a different coach or in a different area or something. So it's not that you can't do it. It's just you need to find another means to do it. A different perspective mm-hmm. can sometimes make all the difference. Right. So I do want to hear, though, from you, what kind of missions you did fly in the military, because I know that will be quite interesting. (laughs) Let's see. Well, let's start backwards and move back. So the last missions that I was flying were over in Germany during Bosnia and Kosovo Mm -hmm. and that time frame. And I flew military intelligence missions. So if I told you what those missions were, I'd have to, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Understand. Sworn okay. to secrecy. Yeah, sworn to secrecy. So yeah, I had I flew intelligence missions um, at that time, and let's see. And then our unit was deployed to Kosovo. So we were in Kosovo supporting uh, basically my unit specialized in VIP management, which is part of the reason we had intelligence missions and top secret missions that we did. Also, was because of the, some of the intelligence we carried to and from with the uh, generals and the. Uh, high-level government officials that we carried, including the Secretary of Defense was one that we wow. we buried around. So um, VIP missions, uh, command and control missions, because back then we didn't have, we were just starting to get GPS. So, but a lot of what we did was um, command and control. You had to have line of sight then for radios. Now we don't. We have better, better radio systems now than back then. But we had to have line of sight to command the battlefield. So we would fly a general and his staff, usually what we called S3 operational, our operational staff. We would fly them up in a helicopter off up a high and off to the side of the of the battlefield so that they could direct and guide and radio, have radio contact. Thank goodness we don't have to have that anymore now with satellites and everything that we do for communication. But back then that's what we had to do. Uh, we I flew let's see, air assault. Air assault is where you're probably 80, 50 to 80 feet up in the air, and you have all these uh, troops on on harnesses and ropes, and they would jump out of the helicopter and rappel slowly down mm. down a rope. Uh, then we had stabo. Stabo is stabilizing body operations. It's an extraction method where we would fly over a wooded wooded area or somewhere where we couldn't land, and we'd fly over. And we would drop a rope with harnesses down, and we would very, very carefully and precisely lift them up out of the trees so they could get out and be extracted out of a dangerous situation. So we practiced those we, those missions. 
um, and with troops and training. And let's see, there's there's another one in there. There's a lot. <laughs> sounds like it. Yeah. So, and I think we just have a couple minutes before we go uh, to the next break. So, I would just love to know what did you actually learn from flying those missions? So, a couple things. So, the the first one was be precise. Be absolutely precise. Uh, you know, pe- lives are on the line. Mm-hmm. Their lives are on the line. And so that's really, really important to be precise in everything that you do in that way. And then the other thing, though, is to not let precision get in the way of getting the mission done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. do not go into, an, you know, analysis paralysis. Right. The, the bottom line is is that you have to be time on target to your, your goal, your mission, your plan, your flight plan and to get things done. And so it's, it was really this, this fine line and dichotomy between precision and operational effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. It reminded me of, I've heard the phrase, you know, P and perfection is poison or something like that, right? <laughs> so if you try to do everything exactly perfect, you're not moving ahead either. Same thing with procrastination. People c- procrastinate because they want it to be perfect, right? And yeah. It's not always going to be perfect. So, and this is great information. Again, just relating it to business. And I know we'll talk about uh, a little bit more when we come back because it is time for us to take another quick break. Uh, So be sure to hang around to hear more from Elizabeth McCormick on how flying a helicopter is like a business. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses, such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. If you are interested in the business of rental equipment, be sure to check out Rental Equip Talk Radio with host Donald Charbonnet. We talk to some of the top names in the rental industry, as well as cover topics that include safety, training, fleet management, legal issues, and more. We'll also cover the history and future of the rental equipment industry. Rental Equip Talk Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to BizHelp for You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to BizHelp for You. Welcome back to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. 
Today, I'm chatting with Elizabeth McCormick, and let's continue to find out more information from her on how flying a helicopter is like running a business. So, Elizabeth, I would love to hear from you, uh, your idea on this framework for leadership. Yeah, so, again, flying those missions you know, some of the things that I learned, I've been able to really translate over into business, both both as a motivational speaker and, and to teach my audiences, but also what I implemented myself to be mm-hmm. successful. And one of the really early things you learn in aviation, whether it's helicopters or airplanes, is is uh, a simple, simple saying that we have, which is, it's aviate, navigate, communicate. So mm-hmm. in, a, in an airplane or helicopter, it when an emergency, because it's not if, it's when. We're always anticipating that something's going to go wrong mm. when you fly. So one of the first things that you do when something goes wrong is you maintain aircraft control. You a- aviate, right? You have to fly right. and maintain your aircraft control. The second thing you do is you make sure you're navigating where you're supposed to be navigating. You don't want to fly into a mountain or a right. tree or a power line. Those are bad. Don't do those. And then the last thing that you do in an emergency is communicate. And because if you're not maintaining aircraft control and navigating and staying out of trouble, your communication is not going to matter, right? Right. And and those happen pretty fast, though. I mean, it's all training and instinct kicks kicks in. Mm -hmm. But what I did is I um, reorganized those into an acronym for CAN and CAN Leadership. So because in leadership, it flips. It's not exactly the same as flying a helicopter or an airplane, but the communication, and again, going back to being visible, and but the communication is key. And so we start with the communication, then aviate, maintain aircraft control. So aviating in business is taking action. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is if we communicate something and we don't do it, we don't take the action, we create integrity problems. Mm. And if we aviate, we take action, and we don't communicate, then we create gaps in expectations mm, good for point. our people. Mm-hmm. So they worked completely work together, and then they wrap around the foundation of that, which is navigate. And that's where your vision comes in. Mm-hmm. Your, your vision, your mission, your goals, your strategic plan, your, uh, you know, even, even down to job objectives, Right. Job objectives or navigation. Because if you don't have a clear goal and a clear navigation for your business, how are you going to know when you hit those goals or that you're even getting close to hitting those goals? Right. Yeah. Good point. (laughs) Yeah. So they all work together. And what happens is when you're really, really clear in your navigation, everything you do in your communication and your action, your avia- aviation, everything you do in those two leads you closer to your navigation, your goals, or it's taking you further away. Mm-hmm. Because there's no neutrality to momentum. Mm. Momentum is, yeah, it's always, momentum <laughs> is always driving you towards something. And if it's not driving you towards something, it is taking you further away. It actually requires more fuel to hover and stay in one point in a helicopter than it is to use momentum, mm. inertia, aerodynamical forces to move you forward. Hmm. Interesting. It's that's another you know great piece of information too to have business owners really think about. And talking about business, you know, we haven't really talked much about the business you currently have. So, do you want to tell me about your company and what you do now? 
So my company is Soar to Success with the number two. So Soar2Success.com. And Soar to Success International, we have the speaking business, which is me. Um, my company also books other speakers for events as well. So we have a booking agency and then we have a publishing a publishing company too. So we publish books. So that's how I've had, I've got 19 now. <laughs> nice. I, I kind of I knew you were writing them. And, you know, I didn't realize you were the publisher. You know, I know you have a lot of them out there, but I thought maybe you wrote them and someone else published. So that's interesting to hear that you have a publishing side, which is you know, quite different than running a typical business. So how did you decide to become a publisher? So the publishing company I was using uh, was doing some unethical, dishonest practices. Mm. And I found out after I was already entrenched with them and I had to hire my own legal counsel and uh, ended up taking over all my own publishing rights. So and with doing that, I had to decide how to move forward out of that. And prior to that point in doing, I probably had maybe five books at the time that I had written. I figured a lot of things out and process wise, I was doing most of the work. <laughs> like, oh, right. So I went, you know, if I'm already doing all this, I already have a team that for each step of the process, why don't I just start my own and create my own and have wholesale printing and all the all the pieces and parts, distribution, uh, mm-hmm. you, name it, you name it, all the pieces and parts. So now I have a team that runs that on a day-to-day basis, and I just oversee it. Wow. So we were talking about, you know, being a pilot, now you have this business, but how did you actually transition from flying helicopters to being a business owner? So after I flew helicopters, I was injured during our, our uh, Kosovo missions, and uh was medically retired out of the military. As I was preparing for my to leave Germany and come back to the States, um, there was this new website called monster.com. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was new back then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, e- email was just getting, you know, really right. fast and, and steady then. So I um, had applied for some jobs and I had job interviews. And so I came back from Germany with, with job interviews already lined up. And within three days of coming back, um, for out of the military, I had a job. And so I worked in corporate. I worked my way from warehouse management and inventory management to purchasing, procurement, uh, purchasing management. And then in my last job, I was an international contract negotiator. Mm-hmm. And in my last job doing that, uh, I was only about five minutes from my house in that I was with three different companies over an eight-year period. And in that last company, I was only five minutes from my house. It was the first time I could really get involved in my children's extracurricular activities. So mm-hmm. I got, got involved in the community and the PTA and, and things like that. And inevitably, at some point, it came out that I was a helicopter pilot, which I really did not talk about then. To me, my patriotism was very private. Mm-hmm. It was very personal. And I didn't really talk about it. And... Somebody somebody found out or said something or whatever, and everybody found out. And then the next thing I know, the newspaper's calling, wanting to do an article on me. Uh, so I did the article. And then after that article came out, I started getting phone calls. Hey, will you come speak at the school? Will you come speak for our Girl Scouts, our Boy Scouts, our uh, you name it? So our career day, our school assembly, and I started speaking, but I'm still working a corporate job. So I was right. turning a lot of them down. And so I was turning them down, right and left. I'm turning them down. And 
Uh, but you know, sometimes when the when something keeps coming to you in the universe, right. you you might want sign. to listen. <laughs> right. So I'm turning down engagements, and and um, I remember being on the phone. And anytime I did do one, I would get five new phone calls. So I remember doing one, and the phone after that, the phone rang, and they're like, "Well, we want you to come speak at our company." I was mm. like, "Your company?" And oh yeah, we're a patriotic company. We support military. Blah blah blah. I was like, "Oh okay. Well, you know, when did you want want me?" And they told me, and and uh, I went, "Oh, you know what? I can't make that trip at the time. I'm again, I'm an international contract negotiator. I specialize in international markets in Japan and Sweden and France and uh, all over. And I, I had travel plans, so I said, "You know, I'm sorry, I can't make that." And they're like, "Well, we'll pay you." Mm. And I'm like. What? I could get paid. I hadn't. I've been doing them all for free for schools and different things. I didn't realize I could get. I didn't know it was a whole industry. I didn't know it could be a career. I mean, I knew about Zig Ziglar and you know some of the really big speakers that were out there, John Maxwell and some of them. But I never thought of myself mm-hmm. in that way. And I was like, well, shut the door. What will you pay me? <laughs> <laughs> And they told me, and I figured out it was way more than I was making an hour in my corporate job. So I took a vacation day and rearranged some things, and I did that one. And then, again, I got more phone calls. And I'm still turning them down. And my uh, my husband, he's like, you know what? You're kind of good. Maybe you should do this. And I was like, no way am I going to quit a corporate job with these benefits and vacation and, you know, everything that you get. No way am I going to quit this corporate corporate job to start my own business. Not happening. Three months after I said that, our CEO from Sweden for that company walks into a division level meeting. 250 people in my division were sitting in folding chairs for his him to do a State of the Union address. It was January 2009. And he puts up a slide deck, slide one, State of the Economy. Of course, it's all ticking down, right? Mm-hmm. In, in 2009. Slide two. You're all laid off. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you got your sign, I guess. Yeah, they laid off 250 people with a two-page PowerPoint. Wow. And everybody was screaming and crying. and his, I mean, we, had no, we were running production up until the day before. No idea. Absolutely mm-hmm. no idea. And uh, I'm sit, I sat there real quiet and thought, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Now, they came to me and they said, well, you know, um, they came to me and they said, you know, all those multi-million contra- dollar contracts you've gotten us in, we now need you to get us out. And they asked me to stay till the end and offered me an extra and to hop of the severance um, and my pay during the extra time, they would give me this giant bonus. So mm-hmm. I was fortunate in that all that allowed me to start up this business. And wow. so I started writing my book and doing the website and saying yes to speaking engagements that uh, were past my end date of the other company. That's fabulous. Well, I know earlier in the show you mentioned that you had an offer, so I would love for you to share what that is and how people can get that. Yeah, so I set up a short link to make it easy to remember and easy to get to. If you go to SOAR, S-O-A-R, SOAR Your Life. That simple, SOARYourLife.com. And remember that SOAR, like S-O-A-R, like soaring, like flying. Mm-hmm. So SOARYourLife.com, and that goes straight to a um, page for you and a cu- with a coupon code that overrides the $99 cost of the motivational course and can get, can get you right into the course. 
Perfect. And if people want to find you other than that one page, how would they, you know, find you on the internet, your web page or social media? If you search pilot speaker, pilotspeaker.com, pilot speaker on Instagram, Twitter, on every social media platform, pilot speaker comes to me. Perfect. I'm super easy that way. <laughs> And in the last minute or two that I have before we close, do you want to just give an example of how flying a helicopter is like running a business? Flying a helicopter is like running a business in that you are the pilot in command and you need to fly. So, but flying really means it's an acronym, you know, military thing. It's an acronym. <laughs> fly, right? Fly really means to first lead yourself. Hmm. Because... You are the leader of your business. You're the leader of your organization. You are the leader of your customers. They look to you to lead with what you do. And if you're not leading, you're going to be on somebody else's flight plan. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Very, very interesting. I love this topic that we are talking about today, too. And, of course, you know, like I said, I met you quite a few years ago and knew your story, but I really wanted to have you as a guest and really talk about kind of this whole thing and applying it to business because, again, a lot of the listeners are entrepreneurs. Um, So thank you so much for being my guest today. It is an honor and pleasure to be here, and I hope each and everyone listening learns to fly. (laughs) Thank you so (laughs) much for encouraging us to do so. And I wanted to thank the listeners as well for joining us today. I hope you found this topic interesting. And if you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to Elizabeth at the links that she shared, or you can send us a message at media at abnp.com. And would you please share our show information with those you know? I'd really appreciate your support. Next week's topic is the Paycheck Protection Program Loan Forgiveness and its Financial Impact. I hope you can join us for this presentation. And please remember you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is www.abandp.com. Links can be found on my Voice America page. Remember to tune in each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you can't join us for the live show, you can find the episode saved on the business channel on voiceamerica.com or find the podcast posted on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for listening to BizHelp For You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a terrific week.